Welcome to Three Thoughts On. Today we have Greg Schindler, who is the CEO of the Regenerative Medicine Institute, RMI, in Costa Rica. Greg is an innovative entrepreneur and board member who has been dubbed the Longevity CEO for his success in establishing RMI as the leading global authority on longevity using cellular therapies. Today, RMI is the world's most advanced longevity clinic and stem cell lab, and it is Greg's proudness and expertise that has led RMI to set the global standard in patient experience and outcomes. Years of experience in cellular therapies for orthopedics, longevity, cognition, and immune functions have given him a unique perspective on the potentials of regenerative therapies to revolutionize health and wellness globally. Driven by a fervent desire to change the way humanity experiences the aging process, Greg's work represents the forefront of human potential and the limitless possibilities of pursuing optimal health and well-being. I'm very excited about this conversation with Greg. We touched on a number of topics, including aging, epigenetics, longevity, stem cells, and some of the things you could be doing today to engage in a process of aging more gracefully and having a better quality of life. So without further ado, Greg Schindler. Welcome to Three Thoughts On. I am delighted to have Greg Schindler today. Greg, how are you doing today? Excellent, Raphael. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I am doing well, getting ready for a long weekend, and um, hope hopefully you have some fun stuff going on for you during this weekend. Yeah, you know, I've been on the road a lot, and so we're going to just be home with the family and trying to keep it low-key and uh, try to spend a little quality family time. Thank you so much for making the time. I know you're a very busy man, and the topic today is so interesting. I think it's so relevant for so many people today. We're going to be talking about the process of aging, right? We're going to be talking about that one thing that none of us wants to do, which is to age. And can you get us started on how do we define aging? So that's a great question. And I, I like this because the way I look at aging, it's the functional decline of a living organism over a period of time. And I want to say that again, and I'm going to emphasize two words there. It's the functional decline of a living organism over a period of time. And, you know, we hear a lot about, you know, extending human lifespan potential and, you know, you'll hear uh, whether it's in the biohacking community or in the longevity community, you hear a lot of things about living to 130 or 150 or even longer these days. And um, we can get into that in a little bit, but if we're not aging well in a good quality of life, then nobody's going to sign up for that. And the only way to start to extend lifespan potential is by addressing and focusing on the functional decline of this living organism that, that we call human. Uh, and, you know, how do we functionally decline? Well, we functionally decline in our cognitive abilities, in our immune function, in our musculoskeletal or our mobility. We cognitively decline, or I mean, sorry, we functionally decline in our sexual wellness and in our, our, our aesthetics. So 
you know, our, our vascular system. So all of these, these main systems in our body start to functionally decline over time as we start to age. And that's where we have to focus. Well, that's, that's a great definition. So you are, of course, you know, you're, you're a leader in this field. You're the CEO of the Regenerative Medicine Institute. How do you guys tackle this process of aging? Like, what is it that you guys do to help people deal with this process? No, that's a, that's a good question. And really, um, you know, let me start by saying there's no magic bullet when it comes to living healthier longer. There's just not, there's no shortcuts. Um, all of the things that we've been told for a long time with respect to lifestyle, um, you know, eating well and, and sleeping and exercising and having the right mindset and trying to, to use different strategies to, to mitigate our stress that's in our lives. All of those things play a huge role in trying to age gracefully um, as we grow older. Um, but at RMI, we're really focused on using cellular medicine in conjunction with good lifestyle habits. And what I mean by that, Raphael, is we're focusing on using the body's innate regenerative potential with your own cells. Um, and then also using umbilical cord stem cells in addition to help with systemic inflammation and to treat, you know, joint pain and osteoarthritis, as well as some of the other conditions around sexual wellness and even aesthetics. So when you combine these, these cellular strategies, if you will, with good functional medicine and lifestyle behavior, um, you start to, to really get all of the puzzle pieces dialed in. And that includes everything from mindset to, um, you know, trying to keep our inflammation down and, and keep our, our biomarkers as, as, you know, in tune as we possibly can. So that's, that's interesting. So you guys take a, a very, I don't like, I don't like to use this word because it's been so overused and so misused, but you, it seems like you take a very holistic approach to the whole process, right? You zoom out and look at the individual, not just as, 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 as a, as a body, but you look at the individual as, you know, the, the, the health aspect of it. You know, what are you doing every day? How well are you sleeping? Okay. What are some of the activities you do? What, how are you eating? What, you know, how is that whole process? But in addition to that, then you bring the science and kind of bridge that, those two to see, well, what can be done for you that is going to help you live a better quality of life and then age a bit more gracefully. Is that a, is that a good assessment of how it all comes together? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you have to, right? We, medicine is getting into this personalized approach and, and that too can be a little bit of an overused word, but we're trying to be preventative. You know, the, the healthcare model has been broken for quite some time. And I think a lot of people are aware of this and in tune with this, it's been a break fix model right? We, we sort of wait until things break and, and then we fix it. And, and typically, you know, we're seeing medications to try to help us feel better, but not necessarily get better. And that's that holistic approach that you talked about. We, everybody's different. Everybody has health issues that, that are unique to themselves. And so to think that we can do this in a one size fits all approach is just, you know, uh, it's just not, it's not true. So we are seeing the trend in healthcare going to more of a preventative model and a personalized treatment model. 
And that rev- that involves getting to the root cause of a lot of these issues. And that's where that holistic approach that you're talking about um, that we just we just discussed with sleep and exercise and diet and stress and all of those things, you have to manage them. And the testing and the diagnostics that have happened in the last literally three to five years have advanced to the point now where we can measure so many things. Wearables, for example, are huge, right? Aura rings or these uh, glucose monitors or a lumen device to measure, you know, how you're, you're metabolizing your, your food that you eat. Um, all of these things give us on-demand access to how well we're, we're accomplishing some of these lifestyle and behavior goals. So looking at everything um, through that macro lens and then dialing into what's not working as optimally as we would like, that's, that's how we do this. And that's how you start to get um, measurable outcomes with, with patients and, and with all of us, you know, and these are things that we can, we can all do to improve our health. So going through the information that, uh, that I found on your webpage and, and some of the conversations you and I have had in the past, there's two Two very popular terms that are, seem to be at the center of what you guys are doing, right? One of them is epigenetics, and the other one is stem cells. Uh, could you tackle those two and just tell the audience a little bit more about those two and, and how it is at the center of what you guys do? Absolutely. Anytime that you start to mention words like epigenetics and, and stem cells, you know, you can, you can see people start to glaze over, but I'll do it in a, uh, in a lay terminology as well. You know, quick joke aside, my wife says, um, I would hate to be the person sitting next to you on an airplane that says, so what do you do? And I turn over and start talking about these kinds of things, but no, it is important. And epigenetics really is the external influences on our bodies, on our systems, right? Things like lifestyle, things like your environment, things like UV damage from sunlight, and the, the, the pollution in the air, all of these things we now know affect our epigenome, which, you know, rides uh, above our genome, if you will. And epigenetics is really measuring how you're methylating DNA, And the epigenetic clocks that have been developed in the last several years have really come a long way. We're on our third generation epigenetic clock now. And when I say we, not not RMI, just the industry. And they start to measure things like a lot of people have probably heard about this biological age. You know, you're you're chronologically, I'm 56, but biologically, I'm 48. And what does that really mean? Well, statistically, it means that I'm up to 50%. 56 percent less likely to die prematurely or to succumb to age-related diseases. And this is important. And most recently, we've seen an epigenetic clock called the Dunedin Pace of Aging Clock. And what I like about this particular measurement tool is that it's showing longitudinal data as to whether you're accelerated or decelerated in the aging process. And it's dynamic. It's what's happening at this particular point in your, t- in your life. So you can impact changes in your Dunedin pace of aging uh, much faster than you could say, you know, over a period of time in your biological age. Um, and I like this a lot because it's a measurement tool that shows the impact of the lifestyle changes or of cellular medicine therapies or supplementation or anything that you're doing. It's going to show up in these tests with respect to our epigenetics. And the good news about epigenetics is that because it is lifestyle related and centric, you can change it. So if your biological age, so let's say my biological age was 58 and I'm chronologically 56, 
Um, well, I can impact that. We can start to develop strategies to reverse my biological age and get it lower, ideally, than my chronological age, and then start to measure my pace of aging, whether accelerated or decelerated, to see how well I'm doing as I go along. And that's hence the longitudinal part of this. So epigenetics is playing a huge role right now. And it's one measurement tool that we have. You know, um, we have biomarkers like oxidative stress and HSCRP and TNF-alpha, DNA damage, free radical levels. There's a ton of different things. And looking at neurotransmitters and hormones, when you t put all of these, you know, tests, including physiological, which your BMI look like and your muscle mass, you start to tell a story about each of the, the, the people, um, the patients, if you will. And that's what you were alluding to earlier is we start to see the, the granular level of the impact of some of these lifestyle behaviors and modifications that we can make to start to improve our epigenetics, our biological ages, if you will. So it's, it's really important as a measurement tool. And when you put it in conjunction and next to other biomarkers, it really does start to tell a story that, um, of each individual and, and unique person with respect to their health. And now stem cells, think of it like this, you know, what makes a stem cell special is the only cell in the human body that can differentiate into other tissues. Right. And I'm going to go on a quick aside here and, and, um, at the risk of, of, uh, of, you know, getting a little too deep into the weeds here, but one of the big breakthroughs, there's been some pivotal moments, uh, Raphael in the last, literally since about 2007. So it's fairly recent, right? It's not that long ago. So that's why you're seeing such excitement in the longevity community and in this movement to try to live healthier longer is because in 2007, um, a gentleman by the name of Professor Yamanaka out of Japan identified four genes now known as the Yamanaka factors. And what makes this so special is that he took an adult skin cell and he reversed its age all the way back to pluripotency or almost embryonic like age in this stem cell. It had never been done before. In fact, a lot of people never even considered that it could be done. And it was, it was a pivotal moment in, in the industry. And in 2012, Professor Dr. Yamanaka received a Nobel Prize for it, as well he should. Um, and just identifying these four genes, that accelerated a lot of the things that we're seeing with respect to epigenetic clocks came around in 2013. In 2016, you saw epigenetic reprogramming where you could take a patient's older cells, say you could take an 80-year-old person's cells, epigenetically reprogram back to 30-year-old versions of themselves. And when you give them back to the patient, they will go back into their bone marrow and start making copies of their younger selves. Now, that sounds like science fiction, but it's not. It's science fact today. And then we saw as recently as last year, the WHO it finally acknowledged aging as a disease. And that's not a new debate. It's been around for a couple of hundred years. Whether you think it is or it isn't, isn't really the point the way I see it. When we think of things in that context as a disease, and if you think of aging as a disease, then you start to develop strategies to mitigate it and to treat it. And that's the important part that I think. And stem cells play a role in that because we're all born with a fixed number or a finite number of stem cells, and it is our regenerative potential. It supplies the repair and the regeneration, the rejuvenation, if you will, that we need when we get injured and when we suffer inflammation and when we suffer stress. And when we, as we age, our bodies call on these stem cells 
to do the repair work. And as we start to decline in both number and function, that's when we see the aging process start to accelerate. So they play a a huge role. And this is, this is the part where I said, you know, sometimes I can, I can lose some of the people I'm talking to or the person next to me on the airplane. There are three main stem cell types. There are more that, that we, that we focus on. Um, Hematopoietic stem cells form the basis of our immune function and endothelial progenitors form the basis of our vascular function and mesenchymal stem cells, which are probably the most well-known, form the basis of our musculoskeletal uh, systems, tissues, and organs. So if you think about those three things, vascular, immune, and musculoskeletal functions, that's the role that these stem cells play, and it's a critical component um, when you're talking about trying to help people uh, improve their quality of life as they age and, and potentially expand human lifespan. So that's where they come in and play a role. And I want to be really clear. I think I said this earlier, but there is no magic bullet. They're a puzzle piece just like everything else. But it turns out they're a really critical puzzle piece um, when it comes to to aging and, and longevity and, and improved health. Well, that's that's wonderful. That's a lot there. So let me let me try to zoom out again for the public. So let me go back. I'm going to go back to epigenetics first and then come right back into the stem cells. So I'm going to say something and I want you to, to listen to it and see if you can correct me, uh, see if I got this straight in my head. You know, so, you know, we have our genomes and we have our genes, which, you know, are all individual. You know, we all, we all have our own set, you know, that is a function of our parents and our lineage and so forth. And then on top of that, you have the epigenome, right, which gets directly or it could be directly upregulated or lower regulated by the environment we choose to live in. Right. And that then determines if some genetic predisposition becomes real or not. So if that is true, then that analogy that your genes load the gun, but the environment pulls the trigger makes a lot of sense to me. And if that is true, then we as humans, we as individuals have a lot more of a say in our well-being by how we choose to live our life, by what we choose to eat, by the quality of our thoughts, by the quality of our feelings and emotions, and how much we indulge in those, by the amount of exercise we choose to engage in, and by the quality of sleep we get uh, every night. Is that, you know, like the summary of, you know, the genome, epigenome, and the environment relationship? Perfect. Yeah, that's, that's exactly well said. Excellent. Yeah, it's important to, to really, you know, when you think about them, these are one way to think about them are, are chemical modifications and, uh, you know, molecular factors that influence the activity uh, and the expression of genes within a cell, but without altering the underlying DNA sequence. Right. And so these basically these modifications determine whether genes are turned on or off. And as we start to age, literally by decades, certain genes turn on, other genes turn off as we start to to go through the aging process. But, yes, that's that's well summarized. Great. So then as we go then into stem cells, I have had conversations with folks that, you know, this is new and, and it's not it's not straightforward. I mean, this is, you know, very interesting and difficult science. Right. So what I try to do here is just to bring it, you know, to a place where everybody can understand it. So it, it could be very easily misunderstood that when you say that, you know, we can take you know, tissue and bring it back to its, you know, embryonic stage that what 
what we're trying to do here is to live forever or to look young forever, right? Or to go back to looking young, you know, like, you know, Benjamin Button phenomena, right? But that's that's actually not the case at all. What we're trying to do here is it's just we know we're going to we're going to age. Uh, but the the goal here is, is to improve the quality of that aging. Correct. That's exactly right. You know, look, we know that I think it's what 72% of Americans look in the mirror and they're not happy with what they see with their appearance. And people say, well, how is that related to longevity? It's kind of a vanity play. But really what we know is that when you feel better about yourself and, and your appearance, you tend to be happier. And the happiness index is directly correlated to longevity and living healthier, longer. So it does play a role. It is not about just trying to live forever. And, you know, the, look, the fountain of youth is nothing new, right? Ponce de Leon's, you know, been looking for it forever. And I think that everyone, here's, here's what I like to, the way I like to view it. And I'll, I'm going to do it with a story. So I had an 89 year old patient who was wanting an extra decade to be with his wife, who was considerably younger. She was in her uh, early fifties and his daughter. And that was his goal. And when you start to think about helping a person live healthier, longer, especially at an advanced age, you start to realize this ripple effect. It's not just this one person you're helping, but you're helping this person spend more time doing the things they love with the people they love to do them with. And they get more time with their spouse or their grandparents or their father or whatever it may be. To me, that's what this is about. Who wouldn't want an extra decade um, or two with, you know, seeing children, uh, you know, grow old and get married or grow older rather and get married and, and have families and possibly even great grandchildren. And I think that that's where we may be headed, you know, and I don't know when I don't know what the timeline is on this, but I do believe that's where we're going to start rather than that being an anomaly or an exception. We're going to start seeing that maybe a little bit more of the norm where people are living a little longer and you start to have these multi-generational families and how cool will that be? So for me, I like to think of it in those terms. Anytime you're helping someone get out of pain or bolster their immune system so that they don't succumb to illness if, if, they're, if they're a little bit more advanced in age, you're giving these people a, a chance to live healthier, longer, and, and that's going to impact so many other lives. So that's how I like to view it. Let me ask you a question. So, I'm sure you're familiar with the the book, The Telomere Effect, Dr. You know Elizabeth Blackburn, Nobel Prize winner. Uh, in her book, she talks about the role of meditation and mindfulness uh, in how our telomere growth, you know, which in some ways, you know, it's a part of this equation, this large equation about aging or, or slow aging or graceful aging. Based on your experience, what do you see the role of the mindset and, and the state of mind or, you know, mental and emotional well-being of an individual as they're going through this process, you know, so you're trying to use science and the science is, is solid to help it say, for example, you know, a client comes in, you know, I want, I want to, I want 10 more quality years in my life. Right. And you can, you can put a, a protocol, create a protocol for this individual. You know, you got to do this, you got to do that. You got to take this, you got to take that. You got to come back every so often, but what what is mindfulness and mindset? What is the role that that plays in this whole equation, if anything at all? 
I think it's absolutely critical. I really do. I mean, you know, I'm going to use an over, uh, an overused saying again, but you know, Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And I think it's really critical and not just in the context of entrepreneurs and business or anything we're trying to do competitively, but in our health, it is absolutely critical that we wake up every day with the right mindset. And I'll give you another example quickly. I've been in this game a while now. And when we were treating orthopedic patients early on, you know, for orthopedic conditions and knees and hips, I had a woman come in and I asked her, I said, how long have you been in pain like this? And she said about nine years. And the thought jumped into my head and then it came out of my mouth. And I said, well, why now? Why are you doing something about it now? And she said, well, I'm tired of waking up in, in pain like this every day. And I said, no, you, you've been doing this for nine years. What's different today? And I finally understood the why when she said her answer. And she said, I haven't seen my grandchildren in two years. And I asked her to kind of keep going a little bit. And she said, well, they live across the country and they can't afford to come see us. And I can't sit in a car or on an airplane for longer than an hour without being in excruciating pain. So I said, then it's costing you time with your grandchildren. And she started to tear up and say, yes. And she said, I just didn't feel like I deserved to be out of pain because I haven't taken care of myself. And I let myself decline in my health and, and got overweight. And, and I just didn't feel like... I deserved it. And that mindset, that, that com that comment speaks to how critical this mindset is. And it was the first time I have to be honest, and maybe I was a little naive that it really dawned on me what, what the stakes are here, what we're really talking about. And I keep going back again to, this is really about just being with the people we love doing the things we love to do. And we talk ourselves out of these opportunities we say things like, well, I don't deserve to be, um, you know, out of pain or I shouldn't spend this money on myself because I, I did this to myself. Um, and that speaks to, to the importance of mindset. I believe it's absolutely critical that we all have the right mindset and whether that's, you know, I'm going to start taking more accountability for, uh, the things that I eat, right. We know that, you know, you know, Mark Hyman's famous, you know, food is, food is medicine right? It either contributes to or takes away inflammation in the body at a very basic level understanding of nutrition. Um, you start to, to have the right mindset. You start exercising two or three days a week. You start watching the things that you're eating. You start trying to pay attention to your sleep. We know how, how important sleep is. We have to prioritize sleep. It's as important as nutrition. And you start doing things that are mindful. Maybe you you turn the lights down 90 minutes before bed or you take a warm bath or, you know, you turn the TV off an hour before bed and you start getting your mind. Those are all things that require the right mindset, a longevity mindset that is going to help improve our health, our epigenetics, all of it, you know, back to the original telomere thing, right? I mean, it's really their markers and indications of how many times a cell is divided and multiplied. And for the people who um, are listening that may not understand telomeres, think of them like the caps on the end of a shoelace, where the shoelace is the DNA strand, the cap is the, the chromosome that's protecting it. And every time a cell divides and multiplies, that cap gets shorter and shorter and shorter. So in the case of a shoelace, if that cap comes off, 
the end of that shoelace frays and it becomes ineffective. It becomes, you know, less useful to us. Well, it's the same with a DNA strand in our telomeres. And so they are an important indicator and marker of, you know, our, how many times those cells have divided, multiplied. And we know now that we can lengthen telomeres. We can, you can start to, to improve these, these biomarkers, if you will, of, of how we're aging. So mindset, hundred percent, 100% critical in this entire equation. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you for sharing that example. Let me ask you another question. Along those same lines, you know, of the mindset, you know, let's just take, you know, an example, you know, s- similar case, you know, you, you have an individual who for, f- say, 50 plus years hasn't done a really good job of taking care of himself or herself, right? And, you know, has eaten the wrong things, maybe is overweight, maybe not obese, but just, you know, overweight, you know, very sedentary life, a stressful job decides today, hey, you know what, I'm going to make a change. What can they expect? You know, because, you know, this is science. It's not magic, right? It's not like you're going to get in, into a process and next thing you know, you're going to look like you're 20 years old again, right? That's just not not the way this works. But what are some of the things that they could expect as they, in, you know, engage in a process of trying to eat better, trying to do something, you know, say coming to your institute and getting into a protocol? What are some of the things that are realistically attainable for the average person? You know, I think first, let me start by saying it's never too late to start taking care of your health, right? It doesn't matter what age you are. It's never too late. Depending on the, the, you know, severity, if you will, of, of your health condition and, and how far you've let this get out of hand, you know, it could take some time. Right. I mean, I know in the in the clinics when we were treating orthopedic joints, if we had a, a patient that was, you know, morbidly obese or, you know, had really poor lifestyle habits and A1C levels were off the hook and everything was was really, you know, bad from a health picture standpoint, we would want to address all of that first before we would agree to treat them. Um, and try to help their joint pain because all of it was going to contribute and the results would not be sustainable if, if at all. Um, so you have to start taking the accountability. You can expect some things. You can lose weight. You can change your diet and get your, your, you know, your blood pressure and your, your A1C levels. If those are elevated down, you can start taking supplementation. I'm a huge fan of supplements. You can start doing a lot of these exercising and doing a lot of the things to take accountability for your health and in a relatively short amount of time, again, depending on, you know, every patient is unique and different. You can start to see dramatic change in a relatively short amount of time. And then if you wanted to incorporate cellular medicine and cellular therapies into your lifestyle and and in conjunction with your lifestyle habits and improvements and behaviors, then you can start to take really meaningful impact and change. But it it all starts with knowing. So today you got to get out there and, and, you know, take these tests, right? Get diagnostic tools, whether you're measuring your inflammatory biomarkers or your your epigenetics, whatever it may be, you need to get a good, accurate picture and then start to develop a strategy around it. Functional medicine is another thing that I'm a huge fan of. I believe that if, you know, uh, you don't have a functional medicine doctor today, you should get one. They're going back to the root cause. They're looking at things like your thyroid, your adrenal and your hormone systems and how they're functioning together and interrelated. And again, they're looking at diagnostics to, to, to sort of derive the treatment plan and the recommendations and the supplements and all of these other things. But it's, 
there's no there's no shortcut, but there is hope for sure, and it's never too late. Oh, that's fantastic. So I'll, I'll, a follow up, you know, final question on that then is, we definitely live in exciting times. I mean, this is you know science. I'm a fan of science. I'm a student of science, and science has made these types of things more accessible than they've ever been to to more people around the world. However, they're still not fully accessible because, you know, there's a, there's a cost, there, there's a price uh, to pay if you want to take advantage of these technologies that are available today, some of the things that you offer. So what do you tell an individual that is not right now ready to pay for these types of services? What can they do at home? What are some of the things that have been proven that will help you slow down the aging process, that will up or down-regulate genomes, uh, epigenomes, I should say, that are known to help with the longevity process. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do at home. The, the, the numbers are 70 to 75% of our health is dictated through our lifestyle habits and that we know that we can measure those with epigenetics. So the other 30% comes back to the cellular level. But the things that you can do at home, intermittent fasting, caloric restriction, prioritize sleep, um, obviously nutrition, breathing is a big component, right? Trying to take some time to do some breath work, some mindful meditation, um, whether it be guided. Those are some of the things that we can do. You know, exercise, if I didn't mention that one is obviously important and you don't have to, and, and exercise, this is not an area of specialty for me, just, you know, full disclosure, but it should be age appropriate. As we get a little older, we don't want to be trying to set personal records, you know, uh, in the gym, on the bench press, you know, we want to be doing strength uh, and conditioning exercises and things to keep our, our heart rate elevated, but not wear and tear on our joints. You know, supplementation is another thing people can do. And once you have, you know, you get a good blood, you get blood work drawn up, you're working with a good functional medicine doctor. These are all things that are accessible. You can then start to take the right supplements. Um, and I think, again, I'm a huge fan. I'm a big believer. I saw it in my own blood work. Within 90 days, I pulled all of my markers that were pretty far out of control due to a lot of travel. And quite frankly, if I'm being completely honest, I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't eating as well as I, I usually do. And I was checking a box on my exercises in the hotel gyms that I was in and out of, you know, for, for literally months at a time. And so my body, you know, paid the price and paid the toll. And when my functional medicine team took my, my blood panels and biomarkers, they said, look, you know, you got to get this under control. And I believe that the supplementation, the supplements they put me on had a tremendous amount to do with it. So that's definitely something that I'm a big fan of. And, you know, we start to see modern things now like cold plunges, right? I'm a, I'm a fan of those. Nobody loves the idea of jumping into freezing water for three to five minutes, but the science and the data that supports the, the health benefits on our, for us, are undeniable. And so those are things that we can start to do. So there's a, there's a ton of things that we can begin to do at home to help live healthier longer. Well, Greg, I want to thank you so much for your time and making some, I'm making a window in your busy schedule. I am very excited about the possibilities here. Definitely want to come visit you guys in your center uh, soon. I know I'll be seeing you at the 5k in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful long weekend with your family. 
I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks with our good friend, Charlie. And you know, the door is always open and the light is always on in Costa Rica. Whenever you're ready to come down, we would, we can't wait to have you. So real quick, where can people find more information about what you do? Uh, they can go to rmi-international.com. And from the website, they can schedule a consult or send an email or do anything they would like to do um, to learn a little bit more about it. Great. Thank you, Greg. Raphael, thank you so much for having me today. Have a great fourth and see you soon. 